0: begin tonight in Williams Lake at the Williams Lake First Nation in central interior of BC where the results of a preliminary geophysical search of the former grounds of St. Joseph's Mission residential school were released today. The school building is gone, torn down, the buildings on the grounds, but they still cast a very long shadow on the community as we found out again today. Here is lead investigator Whitney Spearing. To date, Ninety-three reflections have been recorded at the St. Joseph's Mission. All of them display varying characteristics indicative of potential human burials. Ninety-three. Potentially ninety-three children found there. We won't know. More work has to be done. They have been using uh, ground penetrating radar, Spearing says, as well as aerial and terrestrial light detection and ranging. Chief William Sellers of the Williams Lake First Nation also spoke at that same press conference uh, today. Um, that school remained open for 90 years. The St. Joseph's Re- Mission Residential School was opened by the Roman Catholic Church back in uh, 1891. Um, again, Chief Sellers spoke today. He Only a small section of uh, of where the school grounds has been explored, 14 of some 470 hectares. More work again will need to be done to confirm those initial findings. But interviews were also done with the many survivors in different communities, survivors of the mission school, which operated again for nearly a century. It also suggests that many children who attended the school remain unaccounted for to this day. Here is Chief Sellers.
1: At St. Joseph's Mission, survivor stories tell us that many children will remain unaccounted for Even after our geophysical and archival work is complete, their bodies were cast into the river, left at the bottom of lakes,
0: tossed like garbage into incinerators. Some very powerful words there from Chief Sellers today. Again, more work needs to be done, as he pointed out. And he also says, again, the search for answers is only beginning.
1: Today we have commitment from federal and provincial governments that the investigation into the St. Joseph's mission will continue through the Williams Lake First Nation, and this is a critical milestone in our path toward reconciliation.
0: Well, we're just 25 days into this new year, but this revelation comes on the heels of those discoveries made in 2021, including of 215 suspected unmarked graves on the site of a former residential school in Kamloops, B.C., not that far from Williams Lake, really. And more than 700 unmarked graves found at the site of the former Merivale Indian Residential School on the Cowasas First Nation in Saskatchewan. Well, joining me now to look into this is Nigan James Sinclair. He's a professor of Native Studies at the University of Manitoba. Thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, Bushu, uh, thanks for having me. You know, I noticed I, I noticed you posted something very short on social media today, but, but it was very telling. And I, I just wondered what you said and why it was important to send that specific message to the people of Williams Lake today.
1: Well, I just sent out a message to all survivors and, uh, you know, intergenerational survivors as well. You know, those of us, uh, every single Indigenous person, uh, including myself, have members of our families that went to residential school who witnessed the atrocities that happened in those places. And even when the situations were uh, not open physical and sexual abuse, there was open starvation, disease, uh, and then chronic work that bordered on slavery. And having that trauma in our families and our communities on a day like this, when there is the uncovery of more sites and residential school sites, we are looking at over 7,000 burial spaces that have never been Marked until very recently across both Canada and the United States at residential school and boarding school sites. So, this is a very serious issue and it's very triggering. So, we have to be uh, very careful to move forward uh, thinking of survivors and intergenerational survivors. And it's a time of sensitivity and it's a time of listening. And it's a time that we really want to try to give people. Um, a place in which their stories will be heard in a meaningful kind and generous way, but at the same time also take action on what do, what do we do now now that we know the truth? because reconciliation is a much harder journey than the truth.
0: It's all you know even when when trying to, get, to sort of introduce what happened today, it's always difficult because it didn't feel like 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 the release of a report, it felt like something much more profound. Um, what did you make? I mean, I, I, don't, I think people may have been expecting something like what was announced today to be announced, but what did you make of, of, the findings, the preliminary findings?
1: Well, for those of us in the community, um, you know, in research and in indigenous studies so on throughout the, throughout the country, we know about this. We've been talking about this for decades. Every single indigenous community has a story of lost children, And the children who went to the schools never returned home. The sisters and brothers who disappeared while trying to get home. And of course, we can't forget that there were many children who were born at the schools uh, due to the uh, rampant sexual abuse and other behaviors that took place at the schools. And so many children, uh, upon being born, were also uh, murdered in those places as well. So (laughs) these are very hard things to talk about, and they're very... um, They're very hard to unveil. You know, it takes a lot of care and consideration for how First Nations will re- release this information because they don't want it to be in a news cycle uh, where people just simply forget 24 hours from now. It needs to accompany ceremony, it needs to accompany uh, you know, the, the guiding word of elders and knowledge keepers who can show it the sensitivity and the care. And we are talking about the lives of children. Many of those children who didn't return home and those who never had a voice, we need to give them a voice. You know, At the Truth and Reconciliation Commission National events. Every event had uh, empty chairs on stage to honor those children that people knew about who were lost. And now we are beginning to find where they are, where did they end up, and and the stories that still have yet to be told about what happened to them.
0: Chief Sellers today of the uh, Williams Lake First Nation referred to it as a reawakening, which was an interesting choice of words, I thought. Um, and he said, quote, this reawakening has allowed us to start the process of healing. Uh, How do you interpret those words?
1: Yeah, I think when Chief Sellers is talking about that, he's really talking about uh, Canadians awakening to this story, but also for many of us who know about this story, it's a reopening of the feelings and the um, experiences that we know are true and that we've heard growing up and we've heard in our communities and I think for many Canadians, this might be new information. And so it can be very upsetting as well and very understandably so that Canadians be for one of the very first times in their life hearing about the atrocities in residential schools firsthand, hearing from the very survivors that then uh, experienced these atrocities, these horrendous things that we can only imagine in countries like Rwanda, Nazi Germany and South Africa, but yet happened right here in canada and so canadians may be upset tonight and they may be wondering what do i do now with these feelings and it's okay to have those feelings it's okay to 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 acknowledge them and it's okay to honor them and and to stand with your indigenous brothers and sisters during this time of mourning but it's important not to stay in sadness it's important to to look to your own children and think uh, empathically of course What would I do if this happened to my own children? What would I do to make sure this would never happen to any child in this country? And most importantly to, if it did happen and, Uh, To children that I knew or that my children witnessed, how could I show that sensitivity to the children that I know uh, that could give them a place in which they could share their story and they could be heard and then they could be stood beside while we work together to find some healing. I think every Canadian has a responsibility to think about what action they can take within their own life beyond just hearing the story of what can they do to be able to evoke and create some sense of healing for Williams Lake for callasi for um, First Nations all across the country that are uncovering these burial spaces within their communities often right next door or just down the road uh, where they sent their children
0: I was going to ask you that I mean we uh, you know the impact of the Kamloops um, residential school, Discovery, you know, discovery last last spring, had a huge impact. Um, The Cowessess First Nation uh, discovery also had a huge impact. Now we're just a few days into 2022, and there's another example, reminding us of the of the of the awful legacy of residential schools in this country. How do how do you how do you make sense of the of the three things that we've and you've mentioned? We're going to hear about this again. This is going to happen. How does one? How do you recommend reconciling these stories? I mean, let's not
1: forget that the research that was done at Williams Lake was only 14 out of 470 hectares of land that that they identified as areas of interest. So we are looking at yet another 450 hectares that may have other burial spaces or unmarked burial spaces. And we know that residential schools most oftentimes had so much death at times that they may not have marked or they may not have recorded or in some cases just outright neglected and hidden, covered up those deaths. So we may have more stories yet to come. And and if you're asking, you know, how how do we begin to move forward? How do we begin to, uh, to evoke some kind of sense of change? Well, this listening exercise that we've been doing for about a decade now, Uh, as a a country. I mean, of course, as I mentioned, Indigenous peoples have been telling these stories for decades upon decades upon decades. We can't forget that the very first person in 1990 was Phil Fontaine to come out and talk about the sexual and physical abuse that happened in schools. And he was met with absolute derision and people denying his experiences. And since Kamloops, we've also seen a a certain measure of people that have denied the experiences of residential school survivors said things like they're looking for money or looking for some kind of sense of confidence I can tell you that survivors are not looking for those things. What they are is they are looking to be heard. They're also looking to be understood of the experiences that they had growing up. And then most importantly, we need to bring these children home. And so what can Canadians do? Well, I think the first thing Canadians can do is listen. And then second is talk with your own children. I've always said that teaching your children is the most important act of reconciliation. Talking to your children, you might often find that your children are more prepared for these discussions than everyday Canadians. Cause I find teachers to be some of the most innovative and progressive people in the country. Mm-hmm. But then what you'll find is that you want to do something and you may be a fundraising activity. It may be an activist. Uh, it may be creating information on social media and sharing that with those who would otherwise not be uh, aware or, interested or those, every single Canadian was impacted by the schools because while Indigenous peoples were put in the schools and suffered tremendous abuses, Canadians were taught that all of that was normal. And that Canadians were taught that that residential schools was an essential part of civilizing Indigenous peoples. And so Canadians benefited greatly from those schools. They are on lands now that have been taken from First Nations that experienced that tremendous abuse and violence. So in many cases were um, put hammered into a sense of hopelessness and addictions that we see today. Uh, Canadians have benefited from a legacy in which Indigenous peoples have been taught to be ashamed of themselves. And Canadians now are benefiting from a legacy in which we, uh, we live in a country in which we see a whole ton of poverty and uh, Indigenous peoples hammered into very uh, difficult situations and uh, Canadians are taught that, well, that's just fine, that just happens every day or or we'll get to that problem eventually and that's not acceptable any further that's not acceptable to talk about a place in which so many people uh, especially the founding nations of this country are suffering so innately and that Canadians are profiting so deeply off Indigenous lands and resources it's just unacceptable. So Canadians may want to take some action in that and standing beside survivors listening to them and then taking action to be able to change this horrible dynamic that we have in the country will be a good, good step um, from this time.
0: We're speaking with Nigan James Sinclair, professor of Native Studies at the University of Manitoba, tonight about a preliminary investigation of the former grounds of St. Joseph's Mission Residential School in Williams Lake, B.C., released today. Uncovery of about ninety-three possible burial sites. Uh, one thing that came up that I found interesting today was the investigator spoke of um, of being optimistic about a decision last week to release more documents to the National uh, to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Um, about what had happened because they don't have enough records, apparently. They don't have the records they need. And I was wondering how much of a problem that has been and how close we are to trying to at least solve that aspect of uh, of uncovering these truths.
1: So, most of the because so it's such a large bulk of the residential schools are run by Catholic entities,, uh, the federal government has specific third party agreements with certain Catholic churches to not release agreements due to issues of privacy they've claimed for years. So what's happened is that there is narratives of schools, school records, employment records, everything from school registries, and so on that has been really kept from residential school survivors because the Catholic entities, most of them Catholic, have, claimed uh, issues of privacy. There's also been federal government departments that have claimed similar things uh, like the Department of Agriculture, for example, because we can't forget where did these children run to most oftentimes farms uh, and were found on farms when they were running away from the schools or police reports similarly, or, you know, other department reports, health reports Mm -hmm. and so on. So what's happened is about 750,000 documents were released last week for the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation, which is right here in Winnipeg. And so what's hoped is that in those records, there'll be some recordings of names of people who didn't come home or what happened to them at the schools. And particularly, there may also be access to uh, information around people who can also try to shed light on information around people who were lost at those schools as well. And, and it's not just about that too, but documenting more fully the history of schools in some cases that we know very little
0: about. Well, a story that's just continuing to unfold again, James Sinclair, thanks so much for your time today and your insight on this issue.
1: Yeah, miigwech. Thanks so much for having
0: me. Nigan, James Sinclair, Professor of Native Studies at the University of Manitoba, joining us this evening. And a reminder to listeners, the Indian Residential Schools Crisis Line, one 866 925 4419. That's one 925 4419 It's available 24 hours a day for anyone experiencing pain or distress as a result of their residential school experience. We know stories such as this one, the announcement that was made today, or at least what was revealed today can bring back uh, memories. And uh, there's always that uh, service available to you as well. And a quick uh, note before we go to our next break, um, St. Joseph's Mission Residential School was actually the same school uh, that Phyllis Webstad went to. You'll remember her from the Orange shirt day. That's the school she went to wearing that orange shirt when it was taken away. Um, And she released a statement today saying she'd often thought of this day um, and that today our truths, the truths we witnessed, the truths we've always known and told are brought to light once again, said Philip Webstead.